It's back to school week. It is back to school week. What I, was your least favorite subject in school? In, my least favorite subject yeah. in school? Oh, man. Um, probably art. I was not an artist in like elementary art school art class. It was rough. Painted was, everything but what you were supposed to. <laughs> probably, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, welcome back to Beyond Sunday. Uh, this is Pastor David Bowser. Not with us today are Patrick Nazaroff and Elise McCarter, both out with various uh, medical ailments that are being tended to. We uh, will be keeping them in our prayers this week. Hopefully, by the time this is released, they're all on the mend and doing better. But with me in studio today uh, is our new interim associate pastor here at Lord of Life, Cassandra Nagel. Cassandra, welcome to Beyond Sunday. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So Cassandra, great sport that she is, uh, is jumping in uh, for the second in our Faith Conversations series. Uh, dedicated to listeners might remember from several several weeks back, maybe even months back at this point. Uh, we did the first in our Faith Conversation series uh, with myself and Director of Children's Faith Formation, Carrie Kessler, um, an opportunity to just ask questions and share stories about faith because I think this is something that's important. And Cassandra, as we've been having conversations, I think this is something that you feel is important for people as well, mm-hmm. um, just to be able to talk about our faith more honestly and, and reflect on uh, the ways that the Spirit has been moving, even in the in the little places where we might have ignored it otherwise. Um, so that's what we're going to do today is just some opportunity to talk about faith and talk about our faith stories and uh, ask each other some questions. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So full disclosure for our listeners at home, uh, I did not have time to find a funny news story. So uh, here's your homework, listener. Go on the interwebs and Google funny news stories and find one that is funny for yourself. And then you can email it in to beyondsundaypodcast at gmail.com. And we will love to hear uh, the funny news stories that you find. Maybe Patrick will even select it for a future episode. You never know. Uh, You could be the lucky winner. Uh, Yeah. But we'll just go ahead and dive right in with our first questions. Would you like to ask the first question or would you like me to? Uh, why don't you ask the first okay. question? All right. First question. You ready? We're going way back. Way, oh way back. Um, and we've talked already, so I know that mm-hmm. you kind of grew up with faith and in churches mm-hmm. and things like that. So what is your earliest memory of a church? Oh, my earliest memory. That isn't the question I thought you were going to ask Ooh, me. What do you think I was going to ask I thought you were going to ask me my earliest experience of God. Oh, that would be I had that one question. in my back pocket, <laughs> so I was for ready for that one. My first experience of church... Um, it would have been when my family was living in Chicago. That's where okay. I was born. I was okay. born in Chicago. And it it's like a vague memory of being in Sunday school and yeah. sitting on the floor with other kids. So Sure. Do you remember can you like it. visualize the classroom? It was boring. Yeah. <laughs> like white walls uh-huh. and there might have been a colored rug. It's yep. so fuzzy. Probably a church basement. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. A church basement. Especially you, if we were in Chicago. Sure. It would have been a basement. Yeah. So. Are you uh, old enough to remember felt boards? Was this still a thing for Sunday school when you were going through it? No, I don't think oh, so. Oh man. Felt board. This was the jam. So it was like a, a board and it was all felt like pieces and you could get them to like stick together. And so you'd have like cutouts of like, here's the felt Jesus and here's the felt sheep. And then you'd like tell the stories with these little oh, felt pieces. And that's yeah, pretty fun. that was quite the jam in my, uh, let's see, probably kindergarten, first grade Sunday school class. Yeah. What was the name of the church in Chicago where you were? Do you remember? I don't even know. Yeah. It would have been a Catholic church. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that sounds like another question for another round, but I'll let you ask one here. And then sure, we'll go sure. Um, well, I was thinking about camp because you said that camp was a big part of yeah. your of your faith formation. So I'm I'm curious how um, you came to be connected to camp. Yeah. At the very beginning. Sure, sure. So I was my my first memory of camp was probably 
third or second or third grade Mm -hmm. um and we had at the time uh, ohio had a traveling camp that would host uh overnight camps but at like different state parks and things like that throughout the area and so it wasn't always just at a single property but it kind of move and uh, i went there for uh, what was supposed to be a two-night uh, thing. Like, you'd be there, like, Sunday through Wednesday kind of thing, which I guess maybe is three nights. I'm not counting that correctly. Doesn't matter. Um, but it was supposed to be a partial week. Um, and I got there, and I loved it so much that I ended up wanting to stay the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it was kind of my first experience of being away from home and being with other people, and that was really cool. And then when I got to middle school, I did a bike camp um, through a camp called Camp Moana um, mm-hmm. in Central Ohio, which is no longer a Lutheran camp. Um, but basically we every day biked like 12 to 20 miles through a different part of, uh, central Northern Ohio and then got to a church and stayed in church basements and, um, had Bible studies and all that fun stuff, but, uh, was kind of getting to live into one of my passions, which was cycling at the time and, uh, and experiencing faith at the same time, which was pretty cool. And then I kind of fell away from camping ministry for a long time, uh, um, not out of any sort of intention, but just out of busyness and, mm. you know, doing sports camps and other things like that as I moved through high school. And so I was in college and I had worked at uh, a summer program uh, for a, what's called a Young Life Camp um, and uh, had a really great experience, but was kind of falling out of the Young Life system. Just wasn't what I uh, was envisioning myself being part of long term. And so I had a friend from high school and church who said, hey, you should come and work at this uh, Lutheran camp that I knew and I'd heard of it because you know kids had gone there before so I kind of knew where it was and had an interview uh, and uh, got hired and that was my first summer at LMC and that was 2007 and fell in love with it and mm. just um, that was where I met my eventual wife that was certainly not why I went but that was a, a bonus right <laughs> uh, that's where I first kind of felt a call to seminary was uh, doing that work um, prior to that I was like yeah I want to go and I want to work in youth ministry because I want to work with kids and this was the first time that somebody said to me, hey, I think you've got something to offer for adults, too. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I can teach and help people who are older than me. That was like a, a foreign concept to me at the time because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, 20, 21 years old at the time. Uh, so that was where that happened. Uh, it was where I really had my first experiences in ministry leadership and like planning Bible studies and leading worship and uh, singing publicly in front of people, which was a, a new weird thing. Like I had always like sang in church, but not like in choirs or anything. I was like the kid who was standing next to my dad in the pew and quietly to myself. (laughs) Um, And so like being up front and like belting out silly songs and God songs and um, it's where I learned to play guitar. Um, You know, it's kind of where it all kind of started falling into place for me. So um, yeah, camp is still an incredibly powerful thing for me. Um, It's such a, it's such a meaningful way to experience God outside of our everyday experiences right it's it's a little thing like you know lmc the camp that i went to is like 30 minutes away from one of the largest cities in the country right you're Mm -hmm. not exactly in the middle of nowhere um but at the same time you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. and uh you have this silence and this stillness and then you have this excitement this enthusiasm and you have these opportunities to encounter people in new ways and help people encounter their own faith in new ways um yeah, just, I, I love everything about camping ministry and cannot sing its praises enough. Um, and now, you know, I'm now the, uh, the old uh, alumni of camps. And so I go to like Luther Hill or things here and um, I'm trying to like wrap my head around, okay, I remember how annoying it was when pastors would come in and tell me I'm doing everything wrong mm-hmm. as a camp counselor, mm-hmm. but also this thing's really important and they're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, have to like 
pull myself in and, mm-hmm. uh, and balance that. But I have a, I have a really great relationship with the, the camp director here too. So I can put a bug in his ear and be like, Oh yeah, they're supposed to be doing that differently. <laughs> and we can figure that out too. Uh, yeah. Camping ministry continues just in a different way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is one of the reasons that I still love getting to do like mission trips with our kids here and, um, things like that. It's kind of an extension of that same feeling, mm-hmm. right? How do we get people out of their comfort zone? Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think that's really what, what camping did for me, um, is that it pulled me out of uh, a space that I was comfortable and forced me to rely on mm. other people and to rely on God in new ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, when you are kind of put in that vulnerable place, um, you have a, an opportunity to really experience, uh, God's love and protection and embrace in a, in a new and powerful way. Yeah. And it's a helpful way to experience God outside of the traditional four walls, yeah, right? Yeah. Which I think especially for youth is a great kind of practice and reminder that, you know, God doesn't only live in the right. in the formal churches that yeah. we've got in our neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah, which, you know, was one of the hardest things that I wrestled with in high school uh, mm. was this sense that, uh, you know, my home congregation, which I, I love and adore and I'm incredibly thankful for in many ways, um, but I really struggled in high school because I felt like I was experiencing faith in this new way that mm. said, you know, God has this thing that wants me to do and to be involved and connected to, and I just wasn't feeling that that energy. And, and, you know, looking back and reflecting on it, I see the places where that energy was, and I perhaps didn't have the spiritual maturity to appreciate it at mm. the time mm-hmm. in the same way. Um, but yeah, camping get, definitely gave me an outlet for that. And to to say, hey, you know, we don't have to um, be quiet and saying the same prayer to ourselves, or um, be, you know, s- simply singing this same hymn over and over. Like we can mm-hmm. sing uh, this loud and crazy song and have it still be about God and have it still be worshipful and have it still be a meaningful experience. And we can tell a funny story around a campfire and let that be a meaningful teaching moment and mm-hmm. a way to experience God. And um, yeah, things like that it was just a, a new way. And I still, I think uh, I bring a lot of how I think about uh, worship in particular um, from camping into uh, worship now. So I, even in like high church settings or very mm-hmm. formal settings, mm-hmm. um, I bring a certain camp casualness to it just because that's how I carry myself. It's not intentional. It's not that I like go out of my way to say, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be camping David today. Mm -hmm. Right. But Mm -hmm. that's just how I exist. Like that, because that's what formed me in Mm -hmm. worship leadership. And so, you know, you come up to me and you tell me that everything's gone wrong five minutes before the service. And because that happened all the time at camp, Mm -hmm. right. I'm just like, okay, (laughs) like God's still going to show up. It's going to be fine. Like it doesn't matter if the first grader is crying through the entire script, uh, God's going to show up and it's going to be fine. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, in the same way when everything goes wrong and the, you know, the communion wine gets spilled or the usher doesn't show up or the assisting ministers like, okay, God's still going to show up. And and so that's a a piece that I'm probably exceptionally grateful for now is that Mm -hmm. it just, uh, prepares you to say, Hey, it's about God. And it's not about me doing this thing. It's mm-hmm. a, it's about the way that we experience God in this place. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right. So let's see, we talked about your earliest experience of church. So who mm-hmm. is someone that you, how do I want to say this? Who's someone that's a spiritual mentor for you and what was their impact? A spiritual mentor. Yeah. Um, I think my mom is a great spiritual mentor, yeah. um, which I'm really grateful for her because she grew up in the Catholic church. Yeah. And, uh, so her supporting me, right. Like being a future pastor yeah, yeah, is a yeah. uh, pretty radical, right. That doesn't sure. always happen necessarily, but, um, I think she's a pretty good Lutheran. Okay. I think she's a pretty good Lutheran Christian, I should say. Yeah. Um, and, um, she's been really courageous, especially in my like more recent years. Um, which I think, 
part of it is because I've been more attentive to it. Sure. And, and part of it is, I think, just her own spiritual development that I've witnessed. But um, she's uh, engaged, I think, in some really courageous conversations with mm. folks in her Bible study groups um, who share different um theological perspectives than her um, around things like who can be ordained and um, who is welcome at the communion table and who is welcome in church. And, um, and so that's been really inspiring for me as a kind of, as I was growing up and now as a young young adult to like have that continued um, spiritual mentorship and to witness someone, you know, engaging in those courageous conversations, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, mm-hmm. it's the opposite of cancel culture, right? Like she yeah. could, she could block them on Facebook. She could drop out of the Bible study. Like sure. those are, I think, easy ways and sometimes necessary ways, you know, for our own kind of spiritual health, but for her to be engaging in those conversations and walking intentionally in those relationships, um, even when it's really difficult, has been really inspiring to me. Yeah. yeah. So your mom has been still a kind of practicing Catholic. Is that a fair way to say it? Um, I don't she would say she's a practicing Catholic I think from like the checkpoint perspective like she doesn't go to confession once a year and um when my when my grandfather was still alive we would go to mass on Christmas Eve and and there were some different services we'd be a part of when he would come visit us for the holidays but um she worships with with like my dad and my brothers and I you know growing up every week we'd be at the at our Lutheran church growing up so um she sort of split her time a little bit but I think has really like integrated herself into the kind of Lutheran church that I grew up in um but she's not a formal member right because she wasn't because she was baptized in the Catholic church so my dad is the member and she's the spouse of the member so she's just chosen not to join your church it's not like the church is not allowing right right just just to be clear on church policy we would let her become a member right (laughs) right yeah and I mean I mean like historically her whole family's Catholic and she was raised in a Catholic community and so there's also that like kind of cultural part Mm -hmm. of it Mm -hmm. right so it's you know um it's part of her identity so it doesn't prevent her from being able to be a full and you know participatory member within the community Yeah. yeah yeah so have you ever talked to her about that kind of mentorship that she's offered to you Oh, well, I've preached on it a little bit, um, but I think I haven't, I didn't really come to realize it until I was living away um, when I was on my internship in Washington. So um, it's interesting how like I had to move away, Mm -hmm. you know, and be gone to sort of realize what I was so grateful for that was, had been in my midst for the first, you know, 20 years of my life. So, yeah. And your own little exile. A little bit, yeah. yeah. We try not to call it <laughs> I was wandering exile, in the wilderness, <laughs> right. and then I figured out what was going the on. The wilderness of seminary. Yeah. That's a whole other story. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. All right. What do you got for me? Um, so I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, it's a two-part question. Okay. I would like to know about your favorite book of the Bible Ooh. and your least favorite book of the Bible. Excellent. Like if you could redo this. the canon, oh, which wow. <laughs> which book is like, On the you know, block. the one yeah. that you flip open to, you know, that everyone's going to yeah. find. And mm-hmm. what's the one that you're kicking out? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so two part or two part question. I have multiple answers to both sure. of them. Uh, I love the Gospel of John mm-hmm. and I increasingly love the book of Revelation. Mm. Um, you know, I think uh, the Gospel of John in particular, just for me, um, is a really beautiful depiction of 
Jesus's life, but also it's just a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's told in a way that I think is so approachable and so um, intentional in its writing, uh, right? I mean, there's so many layers to it. You can read it on plain text and have just an incredible takeaway of the gospel message, the centrality of the cross, the -hmm. the crucialness of the resurrection. Um, And I think that's great. But then as you go, it's just layer after layer after layer of like, oh, well, this can, you know, point us back to this part of Genesis and this Mm -hmm. can point us back to this part of Exodus and this points us back to this prophet. And this is like John is just making so many incredible, I would say even miraculous connections back to the stories that have happened before. Right. Um, And I just find it incredibly powerful. So I love the gospel of John Mm. and uh, revelation. I've, been gaining an appreciation for i don't think it's one that i would say like hey i want every person to open up the bible and read revelation um but i think there's incredible power and witness uh when we read revelation through an appropriate lens of Mm -hmm. understanding this was taking place in a culture and in a time and in a context um and that there's all the symbolism wrapped up in it and so we don't look to revelation to say oh well this is uh, how everything's going to happen. In fact, we just did a Revelation podcast a couple weeks ago. Mm. So uh, listeners, you can go back and review that for my full opinion on Revelation. <laughs> um, but when we look at it and we say, hey, here's um, an example of what it means for us to carry out a meaningful witness of what God is up to in our life. And mm-hmm. uh, what does it cost us? You know, what should following Jesus cost us? Uh, and also what are the promises that come along with that? Yeah. So I think those are the two that I'm going to uh, make an intentional choice to like center up and say like we need to invest more time in this particularly as lutherans i think we've shied away from revelation for a lot of good reasons oh yeah i think Um, it's in the lectionary what like maybe three times it's like once a year we read it yeah and we only read like the very end of it when it's like all happy and like hey look the new heaven and new earth and god is going to dwell among mortals which i love it's so beautiful and such a a incredible book end to the end of the bible and Um, very out of context but yeah but very out of it's like you missed everything else that happened before this that led to that point Uh, so those two are getting uh highlighted um other favorites i mean genesis uh isaiah Mm -hmm. uh um, you know, Psalms is growing on me. It's not my go-to, but uh, there are certain Psalms that I would uh, definitely highlight. So there's, there's some other high ones. Um, ones that I want to like give the boot to. Oh man. Um, mm, I just can't, I, I don't see the necessity of Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Like we've already, we've already got Kings. What do we need Chronicles for? Also, <laughs> we could do one or the other. That would be fine. And mm-hmm. I think Kings is better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could probably do away with those. Um, most of the prophets, if I'm really like thinking about it, I see their value, but a couple of them, I'm like, I don't like what you have to say. So it'd be a whole lot easier if you weren't here, (laughs) (laughs) but that's probably not the right attitude to take towards it either. And, uh, um, so yeah, I'll just go with Chronicles because I think it's just, it's a little redundant for my taste. Sure. Or maybe, you know, maybe, uh, I don't want to say Matthew. I know. I was like ready for a really hot take, like a <laughs> no. like a beloved book that you're just ready to throw out. No, I don't think there's one that I'm just gonna like completely dump off to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm too much of I'm too much of a I don't know what the word is inclusivist. I don't. That's probably not even a real word. Um, but I just I, I really have worked hard to find value in things that I don't normally find value in. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, I think even the books were a couple years ago, I've been like, I just get rid of it. Yeah. Um, I've kind of come around like, okay, like I get it, God. I, get, <laughs> I don't like it, but I get it. There's yeah. stuff in here that I'm supposed to take. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Jude. Um, why? I don't know. Is that really necessary? I could probably do away with Jude. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be an interesting sort of uh, spiritual practice even, you know, like yeah. these are the passages. These are the, the books that just 
give me the heebie-jeebies yeah. that just yeah. make me really angry and to you know ask those questions of like well you know why do I not like this? And I yeah. don't know, you could probably go down a really deep rabbit hole no, with that. Absolutely, but yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate what you said because I think, you know, whether we like it or not, this is the canon that we've right. got. And so, you know, how is God showing up in the midst of these yeah. really difficult passages and yeah. texts? I think if anything, I would be more likely to add things to the canon or, or to like to blow up the canon in such a way that I say, listen, uh, God did not spe- stop speaking mm-hmm. when we, you know, canonized scripture, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's, writing since then that I think God has equally been working through in order to inspire humanity and in, in order to uh, draw us f- more closely to the kingdom of God. I don't think it stops here. I understand mm-hmm. why scripture stopped where it stopped. I mm-hmm. understand why they made the decisions that they made, most of them. Um, but I think that we've done ourselves a disservice by saying, okay, you know, this is what the Bible says. And so everything that comes after that has to agree exactly mm. with this well mm-hmm. god continues to reveal god's self in new ways mm-hmm. and I, I think we should be more open to experiencing um, not necessarily a larger canon but a larger understanding of how god is uh, revealing god's self even right. now yeah so maybe just blowing it up altogether mm-hmm. and doing it in a new way but that would be really cool that would be yeah i'd probably get myself into some trouble if i do that so <laughs> i think you'd have some allies too yeah, along yeah. the way we'll yeah all right, we'll see how that goes. All right, so um, let's see. You recently graduated from seminary. I did. Um, so what is uh, one thing that was surprising uh, about seminary, and what was one thing that was challenging to your spiritual life about seminary? And those might be the same things. Um, I'll start with, from a spiritual standpoint, I didn't want to read the Bible when I was in seminary. Mm. Um, say more Because about that. so much of what we were doing was reading the Bible from like an academic lens, Uh, right? That it became very much homework Mm -hmm. and a chore. And um, I was only reading the Bible because I was trying to, you know, preach a sermon to my class so that I could pass my preaching (laughs) class and, you know, reading, you know, all sorts of these, you know, Hebrew Bible texts to get a sense of some, you know, history and, and things like that. And the real joy and um, Mm. just like natural inclination I had to like open up my Bible throughout college completely went away. And, uh, and so it became like an intentional practice that I had to try to figure out other ways to still engage with scripture without Mm -hmm. actually Mm -hmm. having to like open the Bible because it just, it was like a, like a, a wall went up and my brain immediately was like, Oh, we're in school mode. And I'm like, no, I just want to read the Bible. So it was a, that was a really difficult piece and it helped a little bit when school shifted to being online because Mm. I was, Mm. um, during the pandemic, I was living at home with my parents for one semester. And then my other semester of school, I was working at my internship site and going to school and so there I was like oh you know this thing that we read you know we were reading this passage from I don't know first Corinthians and then I can go and like talk with the community members about this and then go back and read the the passage again and have new insight and so being able to apply it directly was was better but Mm. for me being removed from that like formal classroom setting um, was really helpful to sort of revive my joy in, in reading the Bible so I actually felt really like 
guilty mm-hmm. and terrible mm-hmm. while I was there because I was like, do other people feel this way? Like, and it yeah. was something, it was one of those questions that I didn't want to ask sure. because asking admits, you right, know, right. that you're like less spiritually inclined, uh-huh. you know? And so there um, was sort of that internal assumptions that I was yeah. making, you know, and, and then I came out of seminary and it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm realizing that I wasn't the only one that felt that yeah. way. And, and perhaps if I had leaned into that vulnerability, then I mm. could have found some community in that. And together we could have created like, what are some ways that we can, you know, yeah. engage with scripture in, in, in ways that are, um, still really theologically enriching, but aren't quite so formally yeah. academic. So yeah, for all yeah. its perks, seminary does not always, uh, create a space in which we feel like it's safe to be vulnerable with one another. Yeah. I think, you know, we're, um, when you're going through seminary, at least my experience, uh, you know, you constantly feel like you're, um, b- not being judged necessarily, mm. but you're being, uh, watched and you're being kind of monitored to say, is this person fit for the role that they, for the right. call that they say, right? Like right. every class that you take, every meeting that you're mm-hmm. in, like this is an opportunity for someone to say you're unfit to, right. <laughs> to do this call. And so yeah. The, yeah, the vulnerability piece is, is huge. I remember that, mm. uh, being a real, uh, not the, not the scripture piece in particular, like I had my own wrestling with scripture during seminary, but mm-hmm. um, just a space to be vulnerable was really hard to find in seminary. Yeah, yeah, definitely understand that. Yeah, and I think at least for me, I was hyper aware that we were all learning how to be mm. pastoral caregivers, yeah. right? And so especially after my first year, I did a summer of clinical pastoral education, yeah. right? Where you do kind of chaplaincy work in a non-church context. And then coming back to school that second year, um, I just was so aware that like everyone was learning how to be a pastoral uh, caregiver. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, if I, you know, disclose any amount of information Uh then folks are going to like practice active listening on (laughs) me and like I don't want to be part of someone's like you know essay that they're going to write to try to get further along in the process to be a pastor or a deacon and so it became this kind of I I was just so in my head right but I knew that everyone was was trying to be formed in these different ways and I didn't want to be part of someone's kind of you know assignment for school yeah. right so oh, i definitely um, remember having conversations where i'm like no 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 you're you're trying to do this thing on me i'm right. not here for you to provide pastoral care right to right, now. right. Yeah. yeah if someone yeah. said to me what i'm hearing is i'd be like oh great <laughs> oh, that someone is right you're not supposed to be hearing anything right now yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that yeah. was that was a tricky part for me and i don't even remember what your other question uh, was surprising what was something that was surprising something that was surprising so for me so I'll back up a little bit. I, you know, grew up going to the Lutheran church, um, with my family and, but I was the only person really from my high school that was Lutheran, at least that I knew of. Like I was the kind of, you know, the lone wolf within my, um, high school that was kind of ELCA Lutheran. And so I then went to college, um, at a school that was affiliated with the church of Christ, which is kind of, um, much more conservative theologically mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. than the ELCA. And so I had this long stretch of time where I'm like trying to discern this call to be a pastor. And I think I want to be a pastor, but I'm surrounded by um, kind of other, you know, branches of Christianity that weren't quite so welcoming for that. And so um, I was really set on on going to a Lutheran seminary, sure. um, even though there are great schools like Duke and I mean, all these other um 
seminaries that are affiliated with different Christian denominations, yeah. but I needed that Lutheran mm-hmm. community. Yeah. And so what was really surprising for me is, is I came in and I was like, okay, we're all going to be, you know, we're all going to be Lutheran and we're all going to believe the same thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'm finally going to have my people. And, yeah. um, because of the kind of the structure of, of LSTC, my school in Chicago, um, we had a, n- a number of students that came from all different sorts of sure. contexts, yep. not only throughout the United States, but but from other countries. And so we had like such diversity in our theology mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. from the very first class that I took, which was, you know, ministerial leadership one, it's the entrance class yep. that everybody uh-huh. takes. And, you know, there are some people who are there for a two-year program and some for four, you know, we're all coming from different um, with different goals in mind and we did not all share the same theology. And yeah. from, so from the beginning, I, I came in seeking this, you know, like really united kind of almost singular, like Lutheran theology mm. and was immediately bombarded with like, well, we can interpret this one passage from Genesis in like 37 ways. Right. And so, um, it wasn't necessarily like a bad thing, but it was just surprising because yeah. I, I had in my mind this idea that this school would fit so so like specifically into the the kind of ELCA um, yeah. theology. Which sure. when we talk about ELCA theology, there's even quite a spectrum right. of that too, right? <laughs> is, so yeah, what does that mean? Um, so that was something that was surprising, and um, I think was really life giving, even when it was really uncomfortable or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just uh, yeah, lots of unexpected kind of twists and turns along yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I value there is how you're talking about, you know, the the 37 different expressions of, you know, this one passage. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think we try to do at Lord of Life probably because I try to do it, right? That mm-hmm. I, I found that so valuable in seminary to see um, passage from different people's perspectives. And so, you know, it's something that I feel like we often think, oh, well, you have to be in an academic setting to do that. Or you yeah. have to be in an advanced degree program. And I just don't think that's true, right? Mm-hmm. I think you can, you know, just have a conversation with people who have even a basic understanding of the Bible and what's going to happen in that space is that each person is going to bring their own experience um, to the interpretation of that scripture. And so, uh, you know, our role then as kind of facilitator for that conversation becomes, uh, you know, guiding a process of discovery as opposed to saying, well, here's the right answer. And I think so often people think, oh, that you go to seminary to learn the right answers. (laughs) You don't learn right answers at seminary, right? If anything, you try to discern wrong answers perhaps, but you know, you very rarely uh, learn right answers. It's much more about a, uh, a listening and a hearing and a just kind of allowing the spirit to to move in that space. Yeah, yeah. a few of my mentors in uh, in Washington when I was serving on internship uh, introduced me to a practice called dwelling on the word. Mm. Are you familiar with I dwelling on I the am, word? Yeah. So it's similar in some ways to lectio divina, okay. which it sounds yeah. like we do quite a bit here at Lord yeah, of Life, and thing. I think is a helpful way to sort of invite folks into reading a, a mm-hmm. scripture passage, at least kind of in the the pastor's Bible study and things. And um, so dwelling on the word is um, rooted in listening. Okay. Um, and so typically uh, a passage, you know, is chosen. One voice will read it. Then mm-hmm. there's a then there's a pause. Another voice will read it again. And so then the goal from after hearing these passages is to pair off and you're supposed to choose a friendly looking stranger. And that can be a whole other like podcast (laughs) episode about what a friendly looking stranger is. But, but essentially like the theology behind it is that, you know, like even though you and I already know each other, Mm -hmm. there are still aspects of each other that we don't know. Okay. And, 
the even kind of deeper layer is like there are still aspects of ourself that we don't even know. Mm. And so really when you think about it, everyone that we encounter is a friendly looking stranger, okay. you know, yeah. who is only known fully by God. And so wow. in pairing off and, and speaking with someone one on one, there's always something that we can learn mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or gain. And so after reading this passage and choosing your friendly looking stranger buddy, um, you share with that other person what you heard in that passage. And so maybe it's, you know, I heard this word and it made me think about an experience from my childhood. And then you come back as a big group. And rather than, you know, me saying, I heard this word and this story came to mind and then sharing it from your own perspective, Mm -hmm, your mm -hmm. listening partner says, I was listening to so-and-so and I heard them say this. Yeah. And so it's a way to kind of practice not only that internal, you know, spiritual reflection on a text, but also to build relationship with someone else yeah. and to practice listening to mm-hmm. like where God is showing up in someone else's experience of mm-hmm. scripture and then sharing that out with, yeah. with the larger group. So that has been a really kind of valuable practice that yeah. I'd love to introduce um, to like the community at Lord of Life. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate that concept because I think one of the things that, so many people uh, struggle with, and I've heard people say this at Lord of Life too, is, you know, I just, I don't feel like I'm equipped or like I know mm. enough to be a part of this Bible study. Mm. I'm like, well, that's, that's why you come to Bible study. Mm. Like you don't, you don't go to a calculus class because you already know calculus mm. in, right? You don't go to a calculus class at all. Let's not kid ourselves. But <laughs> um, you know, you come to the Bible study in order to uh, bring that. And, and one of the things that I think I try to encourage people, and I, I love this idea of dwelling in the word. I think this is a great uh, way that we can, or a tool that we might be able to use, right? But it's to say your experience is what we need, right? Mm-hmm. That that our community needs your voice, not because you have all the answers, but mm-hmm. because you have experience to say, well, I, I'm hearing this in the text. Mm-hmm. And that matters to the community, right? Because, um, you know, we had, I had a pastor who was a mentor of mine back in Columbus, and he used to say faith is made whole in community, right? That mm-hmm. uh, we need your experience in order to have our our experience be made whole. We're not whole without it. And um yeah, so for anybody out there who's listening, I think that's just such a valuable step to say whatever you hear in the text, that's a place to start, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you might hear something and we, you know, share that in the community and the community says, I'm just not hearing that. And maybe you reflect back on it and you think, okay, maybe I was off base. That's okay, like, mm-hmm. right? That's part of the of the discovery and of the discernment. You don't have to have um, a certain knowledge or a degree in order to get into the Bible. Like, just just start doing it. Just try it, Yeah. Absolutely. Dwelling in the word. All right, I'm going to have to look that one up. That looks yeah. fabulous. Uh, I think it's your turn to ask me a question because I rambled on about a couple of questions for you. I should have had one uh, prepared, so I'm going to have mm. to pull one out here. Um, oh, I don't know. Are there, or is there a question that you'd like me to ask? Oh, no, that's no that fun. That means I'm prepared <laughs> for this. <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, I mean, I... I I'm o- I'm a very hope oriented person. Okay. So so hope is sort of a core piece of my theology yeah. and so as we sort of begin a a new season mm-hmm. at Lord of Life, right? You know, school's getting ready to be started sure. and we're stepping into the fall. What what do you hope for? Mm. Yeah. Who that is that's powerful. I, I think, you know, not only are we stepping into a new season at Lord of Life, but we're stepping into a new season as a church, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the ELCA is right now, as we're uh, recording this podcast, we're having our uh, triennial uh, church-wide assembly. Um, I just like to say triennial because it's a fun word. But um, so they're meeting in Columbus right now and lots of uh, discussions and things are happening there about what yeah. the future of the church might look like. Mm-hmm. I think as a country, uh, we're at a place where um, there are things that are moving forward. And so uh, my hope, I think, uh, 
you know, it centers on Lord of Life, but I think it expands beyond that. Mm -hmm. And um, really it's rooted in my internship experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, part of the ethos of my internship church, which is uh, Abiding Hope in Littleton, Colorado, um, part of the ethos of my experience there uh, was that all people should experience real life. And um, that's where I stole some of the language that came in and became part of our vision here at Lord of Life now. Um, that our vision is that all people have uh, life through Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, my hope is that people experience life here because I think there are so many aspects of our world, of our community, um, of our schools, of our um, interactions with one another um, that are leading to death, and Mm -hmm. we don't even realize it, Mm -hmm. right? Um, There are the very literal literal ways in which we're experiencing that with... uh, illness and violence and hunger and uh, poverty Mm. and then there are the metaphorical deaths that we're seeing all around us as well and um, the deaths of relationships and the deaths of a sense of belonging and the death of our identity Mm -hmm. and so much of that has been pushed to the front of our consciousness through the past couple of years Um, and at the same time so much of it has been um, not just pushed to the front of our mind, but uh, we've been able to almost close a blind eye in some cases because of our privilege and our status in the community. And so mm. uh, we've been able to ignore the, the deaths that are ha- happening other places um, and the um, both the, again, the literal and the metaphorical deaths that are happening in those places. And yeah, so I think um, for me, you know, when, when I talk about uh, the mission vision here at Lord of Life, uh, it really, it really is my hope for the future um, that all people have life through the love of Christ because life is so much more than just breathing and eating and uh, you know life is having the opportunity to connect with humans on a a deep spiritual level and Mm. life is being known in a way that you didn't know you needed to be known and life is um, being fed and feeding others and Uh, life is healing and life ultimately leads to something beyond this world that we don't even fully understand. Mm. Um, And I think that we need, we need more life. And so my hope uh, for this community as we are entering this new season uh, is that um, we are making choices and um, going down paths that lead us towards that life um, and that lead others toward that life. Uh, Because I, I genuinely believe that we have, a unique perspective on what life means and uh, not just as Lutherans, but as Lord of life. I think we have a unique perspective of what life means and I think that's worth sharing. And I think that people need to hear that. And, you know, we have, you know, a community um, ever increasing in teen, uh, teen suicide and Mm -hmm. teen uh, uh, depression and teen drug use and, uh, you know, alcoholism and families and abuse and all this stuff. Like we, we need, a place where people can experience life and say, this is, this is not what you need to be dragged down in. And this doesn't need to be the thing that defines you. And this doesn't need to be the thing that defines your future. Um, and we can be a place that supports you and builds you up and, and draws you into something else. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I love about the gospel of John, cause you brought it up earlier mm-hmm. are the seven signs of the gospel of John. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. So my listeners are probably my, our listeners are probably bored of this, but I think it's worth repeating. Right. Is that John, intentionally uses the word signs and not miracles right mm-hmm. they're different words in in greek and he uses the word signs and i love that imagery that 
these things that Jesus does, right? The resurrection of Lazarus, the water into wine, um, the feeding of the, the multitude, right? These things that Jesus does are not the thing we're supposed to focus on. They're all things that point us to something else, right? Mm-hmm. Like a sign mm-hmm. on the road points you to the thing that you're supposed to be looking at. And so when we have an opportunity to see life, it's not the thing that we focus on, but it points us back to Christ. Mm. And, you know, so when I uh, have this hope for one another, it's that we experience miracles in this very real way and that sh- we experience moments in which real life enters our, in, enters our experience and we get to experience God through that. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's my hope. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I've got a silly question for you. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, are you an ice cream fan? I am. Yeah, it's great, right? I know Patrick's going to listen to this, so... Does Patrick have a judgment on ice cream? Uh, he has a judgment about me and my preference oh. on ice cream. Uh, what's your okay? Well, now I got to know. What's your preference on ice cream? Is, well, so I'll, my, my question doesn't I'll actually add have some context. Yeah. Oh, okay. So at the 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 youth uh, here yeah. at Lord of Life, we had a mini mission trip, and right. so we were doing introductions on the first night. Sure. And, and so Patrick said, you know, we're going to share our name and our grade and yeah. our school and Excellent. and something fun. And yeah. n- and none of the youth had anything to suggest, so I suggested share your favorite ice cream flavor. Very simple. Love so it. everyone's going around and you know there were like six kids who all said mint chocolate chip i didn't realize that mint flavored ice cream was such a making a comeback thing here in the woodlands but i guess it is so of course it comes to be my turn and i'm not generally an ice cream fan i like sorbet a lot better than interesting ice cream but all right I, I like fruity ice cream. So sure. I said my favorite ice cream is strawberry. And like... That's an excellent choice. Yeah. Uh, that's what I thought too. Yeah. And uh, Patrick, not everyone not agrees. <laughs> so I, even in staff meeting the other day, Patrick had made a comment about strawberry ice cream. So um, it's you know, I just... I heard that comment. I was like, what? Yes. That <laughs> was a knock at me because yeah, okay. strawberry ice cream is not a very acceptable choice. Apparently. So. Okay. Well, this has nothing to do with your preference. Okay. Though I, I, I appreciate your vulnerability <laughs> in sharing yes. that experience with yes. us. So uh, which flavor of ice cream is mm. the best theological interpretation of the Trinity. Oh, wow. I yeah. was not expecting right? that question. I warned you. It was a um, silly one. That's <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like Rocky Road would be okay. a, would be a great, please. Would yeah. be a great choice. I want to hear more about this. Because Rocky Road has like mysterious chunks in it. <laughs> <laughs> which part of the trinity is the mysterious chunks That's well, what I want well to know. <laughs> okay so so there's like peanuts or something yeah. in it aren't there and then there's so, yeah. like chocolate chips uh-huh. and there's marshmallows there right marshmallows, and so there's yeah. all of these different and so marshmallow to me i think is like well maybe it's just the marshmallow itself that uh-huh. could be the trinity okay because it it, it can like be melted right oh, there are sure. different ways yeah. that it can uh-huh. change in its form but um, but it's always still the marshmallow, yeah. But I think for me, like when I imagine eating a spoonful of Rocky Road ice cream with all of that stuff in uh-huh. it, it, like it, you need all of it to like it experience yeah. a really good bite. Like if sure, you sure. just had the the chocolate ice cream with the the nuts in it, you're like, oh, I'm just yeah. eating a parfait or something, yeah. you know. I'm but just, I'm just to having it all together, all <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, oh, I didn't want that. And so I think. <laughs> think if you take any of those like elements out then it's missing something something and it's not rocky road anymore and like theologically like jesus kind of walked out of rocky road too so i think there are other ways you can go but you know if i think about like you know um you know, like a an ice cream that has like Reese's peanut butter cups in yeah, it or something. Okay. That in itself has different layers yeah. within that one that piece would be of an candy. Expression of God's love but for there's sure, not yeah. the three separate elements. So I think Rocky okay. Road has enough separate elements mm, within it. Distinct pieces. Distinct yeah. pieces, yeah. right? So you have the three 
in the one ice cream. Yeah. So I think that would be my answer. I love how deeply you just lived into that. You I just, yeah. You went for it. Well, I really all, had to. I mean, I'm all about this it. Is, that was this great. is the take. I really had to. <laughs> that was fabulous. Stand behind it. I think we got uh, time for like one more question. So why don't you uh, land one on me and we'll wrap up here. Do you want another? Do you want a silly question whatever in you, return? Whatever you want. It's your choice. You're the, the question asker. Oh, man. Okay. I kind of want to ask a question that's like not even really theologically yeah. aligned. Go off, the, go off the rails. What do you got? I would, I mean, I'm thinking, well, I guess I am still, I'm thinking about the church, right? And there are so many physical buildings within our church. And my hot take is like, I don't always experience God the most in Mm. the sanctuary. Like I think there are so many other places in our, in our world that we can experience God. So like, um, I'm thinking like at home, like, Mm -hmm. is it in the kitchen or in the living room? Like, like what kind of physical space that you might occupy maybe throughout the week, not even just at home. Do you, you know, experience God or yeah. feel feel more in tune with God's presence than yeah, other uh, places? That's a, that's a great question. And uh, for me, you know, I, I, I've shared on the podcast before that I've been going through a process of spiritual direction for about mm. the last uh, two years, which has been really powerful. And one of the things that my spiritual director has worked with me on is, is noticing uh, more of what god is up to right because mm-hmm. uh, the reality is god is always up to stuff and sometimes we're aware of it and sometimes we're not but mm-hmm. it's always there kind of like uh, i don't know if you ever have that like ringing in your ear where like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're just like i can't stop hearing this ring and then all of a sudden it's gone mm-hmm. and in all reality whatever was causing that is probably still happening but you're just not aware of it all of a sudden because you start to tune in anyway so it's kind of like that um and so we've been working on me just trying to notice and mm-hmm. so a couple of places do stand out as places where i tend to more easily notice God than others. Mm-hmm. Um, one is reading with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, right now we're reading Harry Potter, oh, uh, which is just, oh. yeah, it's great. Wow. I love everything about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I get to do like silly voices with it and it's fabulous. Um, so, you know, just having that time intentionally with her, um, where mm-hmm. it's just the two of us and um, getting to kind of experience that together is a really holy space for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other major one that sticks out is actually running uh, right mm. now. It's been a practice that I picked up again uh, during the pandemic um, when things kind of first hit and we were all at home all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just not healthy for uh, I or my family for me to be in the house all the time. And um, so after the kids would go to bed, having the chance to go out and run and be outside and you know ex- expel all that energy that was pent up. Mm-hmm. And became a real outlet. Mm. Um, and then as we moved through that, uh, that process has become a place in which I really be- have begun to experience God again. And, and it's not necessarily a, uh, it's not like, a, oh, every time I run, I have this spiritual moment where um, I'm just filled with the Holy Spirit and God mm. empowers me to run 10 miles. Like, you know, it's nothing like, like I'm exhausted and I'm tired and grumpy, um, but it's a place in which um, I feel like I can have conversations about stuff or I can be processing things or mm-hmm. I can be, I'm literally running out frustrations about things, whether that's uh, frustrations with God or whether God is, you know, running alongside of me, encouraging me to run it out, right? Whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? It's just a, it's a physical expression for me. And mm-hmm. um, I think those tend to be the places where um, I experience God most fully is where I can be doing something active uh, with mm-hmm. my body. And, uh, you know, sitting still with a candle in a quiet room usually leads to me falling asleep and sure. and while rest can be very holy and a very important experience of god uh, it has not typically been my best place to like feel intentional in that relationship and so uh yeah being out uh in the world and doing something active running walking etc i think is the, the place where i do that 
Yeah. It's a, uh, it's spiritually life giving for you, but it's not going to lead you to run a marathon. It sounds like it's yeah. not on your, uh, yeah. I mean, a marathon might be on my list. That might be something I want to do, but not because I'm like, God sure. is empowering me to run a marathon. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. At one point, uh, uh, early in the pandemic, I was like pushing myself as like, I need to run because I need to run faster and harder. Mm-hmm. And the motivation has shifted to, I run because I feel like a more whole person when I do. And I feel like yeah. I'm a better, better dad and better pastor and better husband. And, um, I, I feel like I'm more in tune with myself and with mm. the world around me when I mm-hmm. do it. And so, yeah, there might be a time when I want to run a marathon in the future. Um, but the intention right now is like, this is, this is a way for me to care for myself spiritually and to mm-hmm. connect to that uh, spiritual realm in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on today. This thanks has been lovely. Thanks for having lovely. me. Yeah. We'll have you back sometime with the whole gang or something. We'll do a, we'll do a thing. Oh man, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. It's a party. We'll have uh, to get another microphone. <laughs> oh, we've got one. We got four. It's all good. Oh yeah. Uh, we're ready to go. Uh, this is actually usually our guest microphone, but I thought it'd be weird if you like sat right next oh, to yeah. me. So we're, yeah, this is, you know, visual description for our audio medium. Yeah. <laughs> Cassandra and I are sitting so, across the table from one another rather than side by side. Cause that would be weird. Um, so yeah, th- this is our guest microphone typically. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, we'll be glad to have you back. And listeners, if you uh, have any questions that you want to hear on another episode of our Faith Conversation series, send in those questions to Beyond Sunday Podcast at gmail.com. You can find this episode and all of our past 200 plus episodes now um, at beyondsundaypodcast.com. Uh, we would uh, love for you to share it out, uh, share it with your friends, your neighbors, your uh, relatives, the people that you don't like, whatever. Um, share Beyond Sunday with them and let them know that this is uh, something that might be fun. So uh, that's all that I've got today. I don't remember how Patrick normally ends the episodes. So I'm going to say have a great week and we'll see you next time on Beyond Sunday.